0: Welcome to episode two of Neither the Time Nor the Space. My name's David, and as always, I am joined by my good friend Matt. Hello there. And uh, before we go any further with today's episode, a little uh, apology. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So we're learning the ropes with podcasting, as we said on our first episode, and it turns out when we recorded episode two, originally some... Um, maybe a week or so ago yeah, now yeah, yeah. um we lost most of it <laughs> yeah I think I was trying to cut corners with the audio and mm. distorted the entire recording uh pretty much pretty much uh, we've got we had some salvageable stuff at the start and that wasn't actually in about um, the episode under discussion today the end of the world um what actually happened uh, was Matt surprised me it turned out he had watched the um uh, brand new, at the time, uh, Series 11 trailer for yep. uh, the upcoming series of Doctor Who, um, which is airing tomorrow as we yep, record this. That's and, right. Oh night. my goodness me, I'm excited. Um, but are, are you going to be watching it? What do you think that? Oh, uh, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. shan't be. Yeah, no. I, I, I'll, I'll save is... that for three years' time. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, it's literally impossible for me to to, to hold off watching New Doctor Who for that long. Um, But, uh, so what we're going to do, because that was an interesting discussion and all of that audio was salvageable, we're just going to drop that in uh, now and then we're going to come back and talk about the end of the world um, for the second time for us. So apologies if it's a bit shorter and it's not maybe as fresh as we would have liked, but hopefully we'll still have interesting things to say about it second time round. And Yeah, and then we'll join you again for episode three. So, I'll put in some sort of tinkly, swooshly, (laughs) ooh, flashback to a week ago. So, um, you just told me off, Mike. Uh, You have some news to discuss before we get stuck into the um, end of the world. I've got two little things that have sort of happened between last episode and today's episode. First one's just a nice, simple one. When... Looked into it last episode when we were talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yes. I incorrectly named the character Dara. I was talking about the character Jesse. Ah, right. So I just wanted to correct that. I think yeah. I'd confuse it with the character Dala from Buffy. Oh yes, It, it yeah. was Jesse. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the second one, slightly more relevant. Whilst preparing for this week's episode, they've dropped the new trailer for season 11 of Doctor Who. They have. Jodie Whitaker's first season? Yep. Yeah. Have you seen the trailer? I have, I'm terribly excited what about it. What did you think about it? Ooh, okay, right. I have complex feelings on, okay. on this. Um, n- n- not of a misogynistic nature, you'll be mm-hmm. pleased to hear, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I'm very, very happy um, with the choice of Jodie Whittaker. I think she's going to be smashing in the role. Um, however, not a big fan of the music choice in this trailer. Really? No, yeah. I, I'm going to say something that might surprise you here. Mm-hmm. I thought this trailer made the show look excellent. Well, you know what? I'm delighted the, to the, hear that. The trailer, it it did the job. That's you know, brilliant. If you told me this wasn't Doctor Who and it was you know, the next film coming out, mm-hmm. I, I'd be going to see it. Fantastic. That's I mean, right. well, that's that's what they're aiming for. In my notes, I've put, it looked like The Avengers with Bradley Walsh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I will say, uh, visually, uh, this season looks stunning. It really does. Um, They've really upped their game. Um, You know, going back to last week, Mm -hmm. the first episode of Doctor Who I've ever properly watched, Mm -hmm. this looks a million miles. Yeah. But both better and Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we've got to bear in mind that for this first series with Christopher Eccleston, they are working with quite a small budget. Yeah. And, and um, it clearly shows that's yeah. not the case with yeah. the new series. Yeah, absolutely. And also, uh, 2005, that's pre-HD. Like, yeah. it's actually... It's going to be a little while before we yeah. hit our first I, I, HD I don't, episode. I don't really want to give any spoilers, <laughs> but I think we're going to discuss the CGI graphics... Of episode two today, I think uh, I think we might just come up. It would be remiss of us not to. Mm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's my, my, the the music choice. Okay, the music choice with that series eleven trailer. If this makes any sense, I personally am not a fan of it at all. But I'm glad that they chose it. Just just jog my memory. What is the music. I, I Oh, it's it's some 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 rapping song i right. don't i don't okay. i don't I don't know my rapists okay. I so, don't remember it very um, well but. yeah it's some some very trendy current um rapping song um but which to me has no appeal whatsoever and is somewhat jarring in the context of Doctor Who I mean we obviously actually this ep- very episode that we're about to discuss has some intentionally jarring pop music uh, cues thrown mm. in the mix um but the uh, the, the choice to go for something very contemporary, very mainstream in the trailer, actually delights me because it is a clear indication that the show is trying to appeal to young people in the here and now, yeah. which is what yeah. the show should always be doing. I don't want a a version of Doctor Who that is exclusively pandering to middle-aged yeah, men that are already fans. And, it, you know, we touched on some of the aims of Doctor Who, yes. for want of a better term last yeah. week. And I think it hits those. There is the action, mm-hmm. the comedy, and everything in between. Yes. Essentially. Yeah. So I mean, if you're willing to wait uh, potentially <laughs> well, we've got ten seasons to <laughs> way first. <laughs> then uh, it would be great to um, to talk about them in, in situ in the context of everything that's come before. But I wouldn't blame you if you wanted to start watching no. series of that uh, so
1: I think I'm call. gonna hold
0: fire but it certainly piqued my interest. Wow, well, that's 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 really delightful news, yeah. and, and and I hope that um, I'll other never people are also doing this. <laughs> you know what? You'll appreciate it all the more when we get there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is designed to be like the perfect jumping on point. You don't need to have watched anything previous to see it. Um, but having said that, I I always think the more context that you have for Doctor Who, the more. Rich and enjoyable it is, mm. even in its moments of mediocrity. Yeah. Um, so completely unrelated segue. <laughs> end of the world. Yeah. So, <laughs> episode two, season one, episode two. So episode two, end of the world. First day, of April second, two thousand and five. Sounds about right. Uh, yeah. Little brother's birthday, and it starts immediately after the last week's episode. Yeah, it picks up exactly where we left off. And for undisclosed reasons other than the thrill of adventure, they agree they're going to go 100 years forward in time. Yeah, uh, uh, the Doctor, if Mary serves, uh, gives Rose the choice between going forwards or backwards, and she immediately jumps to forwards. Would that have been your choice, interestingly? Yeah. I, I don't really know. I'd probably... I'd probably go back... Yeah, I definitely because would. There's a there's an odd story behind my reasoning here. A couple of years okay. ago, I have a younger brother who lives in Australia, and before mm-hmm. he left, we agreed we would organise days out. Me and my two brothers mm-hmm. spent some time, and my older brother booked us a sensory deprivation flotation <laughs> tank. <laughs> oh, the, um, uh, I think if you've seen the episode of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. where Lisa becomes the family cat through hallucination in one of these. My hallucination, I spoke to my younger self and told him, everything's going to be okay, don't worry, we have a bit of hardship. So I'd probably go back and have that conversation for real. Ah, oh, that is a surprisingly touching and lovely thing. Yeah, it's nice um, to Yeah. I think it might break certain Doctor Who rules, but we'll... Uh well, you know, we'll have a look at that in, in that case. Kitchen. I'd go forward, <laughs> I'd go forward, and see how I die. Yeah. For me, it was I, I would have to go back in time first because um, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by history, but I know that um, history, especially before we get to the point where we've got recorded audio and video. It is distinctly unreliable. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're always um, experiencing history through the perspective of whoever is writing that history. And it would be so exciting to go back to a time before we had video and audio recordings and actually just see that world uh, through your own eyes. See what was really going on in the Bible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That scene really part itself? Is that bush (laughs) really speaking? I think what you would probably find is you just end up with a lot of... Crazy ancient hippies sat around in (laughs) deserty areas high on uh, various. So, Russ chooses forward. They go 100 years forward, Mm -hmm. then 10,000 years forward, then 5 billion years. Yeah, the Doctor is showing off here. Yeah. Showing off his lovely TARDIS that's yeah. run by bike pumps and whirly gigs and thingamabobs. And... Yeah, it's um, it's perhaps seen better days. It's like a children's sensory play area, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it would be fun. If I took my, my niece and nephew to a like, wacky warehouse, there's always things to spin around. and. Oh, I would have loved that. A little TARDIS play set I could run around on, poking and prodding and grabbing levers. It's just like a building site. Oh. But... When they do get five billion years in the future, this was the first ever moment of Doctor Who history I enjoyed. Oh, I'm really excited to hear So the Doctor Talks does a nice that. little speech about how humans constantly fear the onset and coming of death, but actually we never stop to think that we, we could actually survive. Yeah. And... I thought that was quite nice. Yeah, it's a lovely bit of writing. He ends it with "Welcome to the end of the world," and Mm -hmm. Billy Piper pulls some sort of Halloween face (laughs) expression. Um, But that also leads into one of the key things I want to talk about with this episode is that one of the things that said when they arrive on the on the space station is that certain things are outlawed. I think, is it violence, teleportation? Yeah. And then the final one's religion. Yes. But the key issue of this episode, I had to look it up, it was one of the few things I remember from GCSE, Ari. Mm -hmm. I got an A-star. Well done, you. Was the concept of, I think it's pronounced Anika or Anita, the idea that nothing's permanent. Right. And that sort of... Passed me by the first time I watched the episode, when I came back the second time, knowing what was in store, Mm. and then what I first thought was a throwaway phrase of religions outlawed. I thought that was like a little joke, a little bit of hilarious writing. Yeah. Um, But this idea of impermanence, that nothing's going to last forever, nothing does last forever, and we need to learn to deal with that, we need to move on absolutely yeah so even things as as um, as seemingly intractable and permanent as religion we could find a time in the future where that's essentially you know completely outmoded so i think it works on both levels i think it is it is a throwaway joke mm. but it is a throwaway joke that does actually bear up to that yeah, kind of level yeah, of scrutiny it, it, if you If you were paying attention to that throwaway joke Mm. and it's constantly in your mind, it's the key theme of the episode. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which I think goes to show that, like, for all his... Like, um, Russell T. Davis as a writer um, interests me because he is capable of such brilliance Mm. and such just, like, head-in-your-hands level... Stupidity. Often, you know, simultaneously. And I, I think there is a bit of you see both sides of that in, in this yeah, episode. Definitely. <laughs> so it's the the end of the world. Welcome mm-hmm. to the end of the world, as the doctor says. But currently the world, as in planet Earth, is owned by the National Trust. Yeah, that's cute. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm all about that. I, I just like the British centricness of that. Yeah, yeah, um, that's that's one of those jokes I think might be lost around the world, when oh, we watch absolutely. American sitcoms and
1: the, you know, we like don't get the references they're referencing
0: Arby's and yeah. things like that, I don't yeah. know what an Arby's but is our, our British sensibilities we prefer to talk about the National Trust yes, <laughs> yes indeed And
1: very safe ha- pair
0: of hands for the earth I think yeah, yeah, they did good work mm. um, now harking back to last episode yes one of the main points we picked up on is Rose has no formal education? Certainly. Um, does she say she, that she's she has no A levels? No A left. So she makes so a, a big she, point yeah. about that. Yeah. So she left after her GCSEs, which is you know a but, lot of a lot of kids. But today. off the back of that, she's able to discuss continental drifts, which I think is quite high concept. So she must have been paying some attention at school. Mm, yeah. I I I I, I think. That, yeah. The thing for me is that just. Just because someone doesn't stay on in education and do A levels doesn't mean uh, to say that there's that, a difference between being yeah. educated and being clever. Absolutely. And there's yeah. a difference between uneducated and stupid. Yeah. But I, I I just think that sort of counteracts that continental drift is not something you're gonna pick up on in the pub. And no, absolutely. gain fascination into. Maybe geography was one of her favourite subjects. Yeah. Gymnastics definitely was. She got a bronze medal. Oh yes, yeah. She didn't yeah. say that was I think it's the yeah, under that's, sevens that's, team yeah. though or something, so yeah. that you Deus know. Ex machina point never once <laughs> discussed, but then we find out she wipes out an alien race because she wants the gymnastics. Yeah. I mean to, but I like that because Isn't I'm, Doctor Who great? I don't I don't necessarily want to re litigate the last episode. No, but no, I think but, I think we've made our feelings okay. clear on that. So so they arrive on this Space station, and we're introduced to the steward, mm-hmm. who is effectively the the big cheese of the station. He's like the caretaker slash operator yeah. slash manager. Yeah, owner operator. No, probably not owner. Just operator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He keeps and things running smoothly. He and his umplumper army yeah. of children slash little people. Yeah, I'll be honest, I don't. I don't love that aspect of this episode. No, no, I think no, no. It was, when uh, I said last, last episode that this episode looks weak, yeah, this this is didn't do of much nonsense. to change my mind. Yeah, yeah, this is the kind of nonsense you feared. And <laughs> and the Doctor's able to trick the steward on board using psychic paper. Yes, psychic paper, um, an interesting concept. Um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say it's not the last time you'll see the psychic paper Excellent. in this series. Okay. It seems like a an easy plot device slash lazy writing device. That that is exactly what it is. Because if um for for a bit of context, uh, the classic series, um, the way it was structured is that one story would take place over several twenty five minute episode chunks. Okay. Um, so generally speaking, you'd be looking at four parts, six parts, sometimes as many as ten parts. Um, in a single story. So, so in classic Doctor Who, would one of those episodes be looking for a pass to get on? The yeah, spaceship? exactly. They they would have the time to for the Doctor to show up, be captured by wherever they'd ended up, talk his way out of that, etc. Right. Uh, etc. Et um, but this is just a handy dandy time saving device. You've got forty five minutes to tell a complete story. You don't want half of that time to be taken up with the Doctor like having to persuade people. For, uh tickets yeah. and admin yeah. to gain access. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's really the main role of the so, psychic so paper. So we discussed if we could time travel where we would go, if you had the psychic paper, what would you do with it? Oh, man. Forge a doctorate? <laughs> so you <could laughs> perform heart surgery? No, I don't think that would be beneficial for anyone. <laughs> uh, I honestly don't know. You see, the thing is I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not the kind of person who wants to be sneaking around in a place. I... You know what I would I would use it as a as a pass for uh going to gigs because I I want to see far more bands than I can realistically afford so to the, see in a year. The, there is an alternative that would allow you to see more bands. And that mm-hmm. is the psychic paper becomes a winning lottery ticket. You see that is smart. <laughs> that in, you see all the bands you ever want to see. Yeah, yeah. People will come to see your band when you've got that degree of money. I think we 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 are seeing a key difference between how our brains work. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You can see all the bands you ever want to see mm-hmm. with psychic paper. Okay, now from there we enter the lobby of the space station. Yeah. And we are introduced to the aliens. Oh, yes. Okay. The, uh, the pick-and-mix selection of weird and wonderful aliens. Now, this this scene, again, first time I'd ever seen it on the trailer last episode. Yeah. I thought, this is so, just so, so, so stupid. Mm. But actually, I thought it worked quite well here in that... They're introduced en masse mm-hmm. at an increasing rate. It yeah. speeds up as they're introduced. Yeah, yeah. the editing by, gets choppier and choppier. By and, the end, your head's spinning Yeah, as Rose's head would be spinning. Exactly. So it's actually that, done pretty well. That's the well. intention of it. I, th- I think, it's a, I, in context, it's a brilliant scene, and I think it was a terrible choice to use as the bulk of the next time trailer. Yeah, oh, um, definitely. I think they could have done something <laughs> different with that that would have... Um, yeah, maybe maybe put across the the substance of this episode rather than just be like, "Hey, look, we've spent lots of money on these crazy yeah, alien a, costumes and a conveyor makeup. belt of weird aliens. Mm. Look at them." Yeah. Though, can I take a moment to praise? Actually, I do love a lot of the design work and the the sheer level of effort and thought that has gone into all of these designs. For for in the majority of cases, very throwaway characters. Ones that are basically just extras in this episode. And I I think if I was to sit down and you challenged me to draw ten different aliens... Yeah. There would be a lot of overlap, and that is isn't the case here. Yeah, a lot of just... I guess I'll just stick some more tentacles on this one. Yeah. Yeah. So, quick quiz. uh Can you name as many of the aliens as possible? By oh, count, there are roughly eight. Okay. Um, right then. So, Mox of Balhoon, obviously. Yeah. Um. My favourite of the aliens. Yeah. Um. The Fate of Bo. Yep. Yeah. The Forest of Cheem. Correct. Um. Uh, the Appearance of the Repeated Meme. Correct. Uh, Lady Cassandra. Correct. Um. And this is where it starts to get tricky because now we're getting into the ones that are just kind of flash up for a second and then disappear. Uh, I. Uh, no. Okay. I think that's it. I've, I've reached my limit there. So we have the Brothers Hop Piling, the inventors of hyper slip travel systems. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have Cal Spark Plug. How could I have forgotten? Cal Spark Plug. Yeah. <laughs> Literally does not feature for the rest of the episode. And Mr. and Mrs. Pacoon. Ah. Oh, you know, they sound nice. like they should be running the local shop. They do, don't they? But they're like weird, horrible, horse-faced <laughs> mole people. Okay. Do you have any favourites from the alien? I mean, you've already mentioned it. of Balhoon every time. Yeah. 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 He's oh, not, ridiculous. I was expecting him to be a little bit of a comedy character, almost mm-hmm. like the little blue children umpa lumpa people yeah. are. But actually he, I won to him quite quickly. Yeah. Well he's a learned gentleman, I think I believe he's like a member of, of a solicitor's he firm is. or something like he's that. He's from the solicitors, Jolko and Jolko. Mm. So not interestingly, not even a named uh, partner. In the solicitor's yeah, term. Yeah, yeah. But yet has sufficient it, it, clout to come to It come could be their this. own work experience. People just, <laughs> people, you know, got better things to do. We'll send yeah. the kid. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, yes. Mox about here. Little blue man floating around on a dish. What's yeah. not to like? And his gift, so each of the aliens are presenting one another with offerings. Yeah. Is bodily fluid. He yes. spits at Rose. Yeah. I thought that was a little bit like, if we go back to last week, where mm-hmm. we had the bin burp. I thought that was a nice little cheap joke. Yeah. That, one for the kids. <laughs> I, I did really That's enjoy I mean. that. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, the, the thing that annoyed me about that joke is just the fact that it's kind of going back to the same well. Uh, uh, like Because 30 seconds earlier, the Doctor, thinking on his feet... Because um, he obviously hasn't brought gifts, uh, goes with air from my lungs, and you know, yeah. you know that it does that, and then I've, I also, I was I enjoy that as a you know doctory moment, the doctor just improvising, um, and then for the mocks of him to essentially do the same thing, yeah, it it kind of it, it almost cheapens the first moment, and yeah, it, yeah. so it's a bit I, yeah. it's a weird writing choice, but there you go. And then Lady Cassandra, I'm not sure whether they're her gifts or her offerings, or rather just artefacts from Earth. Right. She presents the last ever ostrich egg. Yeah. It's clearly inconsequential to the rest of the episode. Yeah, no, it's not going to be like a Chekhov's ostrich egg scenario, (laughs) surely. And she brings (laughs) what she believes to be an iPod, but it's actually an old Wurlitzer jukebox. Yeah, and with both of these things, R.T.D.'s having a bit of fun about how um, history can get sort of twisted over time. Yeah. So the the description of the ostrich is like some sort of fire-breathing monster. Yeah, she says it breathes fire from a nostril. And at that point, one of the tree people, Job, I believe. Mm -hmm. Jabe, I think. Jabe, sorry. I think I've written Job throughout my notes, but we'll go with Jabe. Scans the doctor with something, like some early 2000s mobile phone. Yeah, I I think it's some kind of bird-powered palm pilot or something like that. And she says that his race is impossible. It is impossible that the race Mm. he belongs to has been identified. What do you think that would mean? Um, Well... As we said at the beginning of the episode, I've seen the next couple of episodes. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, I won't yeah. give the game away. Yeah. Okay. But whilst people are giving out these gifts, um, one of the gifts that's being given out is from the repeat, the adherents of the repeated meme. Yes. They're they're clearly evil. Whatever gives you that impression? They're, they're dressed in black. Mm-hmm. They have a sinister voice. Yeah and they're just menacing. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. They seem pretty cuddly to me. If if I had to line up all the aliens in some sort of police lineup and say, which one is going to be the villain of this episode? Mm-hmm. I'm not looking at you, face of Bo. <laughs> oh, at, no. It's definitely... The adherence of the repeated meme. Yeah, it's it's not subtle. It's not subtle, the design <laughs> choices. Um, um, but as the episode progresses, maybe you'll boost, you know, intentionally. Um, because, in a sense, it's not exactly a misdirect, but it's a bit of a misdirect. The adherence of the repeated meme aren't, like, working alone, are they? No, no. But, but anyway. Their sort of little catchphrase, the first time I hear them speak, is a gift. Of peace in all good faith, mm. said in the most menacingly evil way imaginable. Yes, yeah, it's it's definitely if it would be hard to mistake uh, them for for goodies at this uh, stage, especially the when the gifts they're giving are tiny little robot spiders with mm-hmm. blinking red eyes that yeah. run away yes. clearly up to no good. Yes, yeah, okay. Um, I mean. Without giving the game away, when we discuss episode three, it's highlighted pretty strongly that red is when something's evil. Yeah, yeah, it's that's it's a handy little bit of um, shorthand there. Yeah, yeah. But whilst this is going on, Rose introduces herself to Raffalo, who is one of the servicemen... Yeah she's a she's a plumber i think basically she yeah, says yeah. in that in that episode and the becomes what is a repeated theme with rose starts here yeah. mm. in that she often takes time to address and speak to people perhaps lower on the social hierarchy than herself yes i think um that's it There's a few reasons for that, I think. Uh, The main one is just the fact that the Doctor as a character has a certain aloofness. Um, You know, just... He struggles sometimes, because he's constantly thinking in terms of the big picture. Mm. I think he can struggle sometimes to notice... um, You know, the background layers. he, He seems to see things very literally. Yeah. So he will see this character, Raffaello... As a plumber Mm. and little more. Until she proves otherwise is the thing. Yeah, I think that's a key thing because if you look at uh, um, episode one, Rose, the way he very quickly dismisses Mickey. Yes. And because Mickey at no point in that episode ever steps up, he never revises his opinion of him. Yeah. Um, Whereas Rose, he starts off fairly dismissive. Go away, go and have your lovely beans on toast. But then when she persists... Um, doesn't back down and, and actually starts to step up and help with the situation that's the point at which he starts to develop a respect for her and start treating her more as an equal yeah. um, so it's like you have to earn that level of respect for him to really pay you much heed yeah because um, yeah, Rafallo says when she's addressed by Rose that she mm. needs that permission she needs to be granted permission yeah. to speak Yeah. Now, I can't, env- I can't envisage the doctor giving her that permission because she's not part of his grand plan. Mm, I don't know. I think he would. Cause I don't think he's. I don't think but, he's um, imperious to quite that level. But I don't think he would take the time to stop and chat to yeah, her. If, if he was to if speak, he, to he her, was in a hurry, or, yeah. it wouldn't be to get to know her. Not unless, be, not unless he thought she factored into something yes, yeah, that exactly. he was investigating. So, But yes, but Rose is a very humane character. Yeah. And so she immediately, you know, she's met this this strange blue plumber alien lady. And at first she's just staggered that they still have plumbers this far into the future. Um, which, you know, in itself I think is a, is a, is a lovely and thought. Um, I, th- I think... Also, an undertone here, despite the fact that Raffaello is bright blue, mm. she's possibly the most human character. Oh, definitely. I think, yeah. Uh, uh, it's uh, a very subtle, natural performance by the actress. Um, yeah, and I, it's, I'll be honest, it's my favorite scene in this episode. Really? Yeah, it's, I, 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 I love it because, because this, this, I think, is. Um, showcasing some of the best of Russell T Davis's writing. As a writer, I think one of his key strengths is that humanity. Um, that his ability to, in the most insane of sci-fi weirdness surroundings, just throw in some aspects that are really grounded and relatable in human. Yeah, um, because Ro- Rose makes a point of saying the aliens are all so alien. Yeah. I think that's in a couple of scenes time. Yeah, But actually... That doesn't seem the case here. No. Actually, uh, this is kind of the moment that she's starting to adjust, perhaps, to the fact that maybe they're not quite so alien as they first appear. Yeah, she's got bright blue skin, but she's a plumber, and Rose knows what a plumber is. Yeah. And, you know, she talks like a person. If we compare her to the other human, Lady Mm -hmm. Cassandra... Yeah. You know, if you were to Who who is is the, the more human of the two? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So... Fingers crossed, nothing bad ever happens to <laughs> <laughs> um, No. S- seconds later, yeah. she completes her plumbing task yeah. in an air vent. And and we realise that, yeah, no, she was just a red shirt the whole time. Yeah. yeah. She, uh, after Rose leaves, she lives for maybe three minutes more. Mm, I, um, I wouldn't go even I mean, that far, it, necessarily. It doesn't exactly show us what happens to her, but... It's hard to... It's an off-screen death. Yeah, it's not the most convincing bit of direction in the episode. It's pretty clear from from where I'm sitting that she is the the actress is just having to shuffle further into the vent on her elbows. But she she's (laughs) killed by the robotic spiders from the repeated name. Somehow. Somehow these tiny we we know only two things about these spiders, that they have really, really sharp feet on the end of their legs. Yeah. And a laser eye. Yes. So however she dies, yeah. it's not going to be pleasant. No, definitely not. What a horrible, horrible end. <laughs> <laughs> that was more morose than I thought. <laughs> um, because once Rose has left her, she goes to speak to the Doctor. Mm. And she she realises at this point she's five billion years in the future with somebody she hardly knows. She knows very little about. Yeah. And this is probably the second scene of the episode that I really enjoy. Yeah, it's it's her sort of sobering up moment, isn't it? She's been up until this point she's been swept along by the sheer craziness of everything. Yeah. And she's finally taking a moment to step back and think, Oh, what am I doing here? What what have I done? Yeah. 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 And the Doctor, he gives this really nice speech about, you know, it doesn't really matter where he's from, mm. all that really matters is the here and now, yeah. what we're doing, yeah. where we're going, and yeah, I like that, I like that bit. Yeah, I mean, what if, I think it's, if you were, you know, someone who'd been travelling the universe for hundreds of years, just kind of bumping around all over time, it, well first of all, you would have a very distorted understanding of time because you're mm. experiencing it constantly in a non-linear fashion. The only linearity is your own personal timeline. Yeah. Um, everyone else around you, it's uh, jumping around all over history. And so, yeah, you would kind of try to just constantly be living in the moment because it's, it's your immediate surroundings that matter. But uh, as we move on, again, without spoiling things mm. for the next couple of episodes mm. and the end of this episode, yeah. as well as this impassioned speech about it doesn't matter where he's from, where he's from is clearly very important to him oh yes, absolutely, and important to us as viewers of the of the yeah. series um it's it's deflection yeah it's um i think it's it's something he's trying to tell himself as much as tell rose yeah um so yeah and at the end of this he he acknowledges that Rose you know maybe doesn't feel the same way, and she's quite anchored to her home, Mm. so Mm. he fixes Rose's mobile phone so she can speak to her mum. Yeah. Now, this episode's running in real time, so although it's five billion years in the future, it's been about half an hour for Rose. Yeah. Um, And Rose's mum says, put a quid in the lottery syndicate, harking back to my favourite character (laughs) from (laughs) episode one, Wilson. Wilson. Now, whilst we're discussing timelines and the... You know, the mm-hmm. distorted travel. Yeah. One thing I, I quite enjoyed about this episode is yeah. from the initial meeting of all the aliens, the alarm system or the intercom for the space station says that the destruction of the Earth is going to happen in half an hour mm-hmm. and the rest of the episode runs in real time. Yeah. So constantly in the background we're getting this countdown. Yeah, towards the end of the Earth, which I quite enjoyed. Yeah, it? it's, it's an interesting conceit, and I don't think it's something I picked up on. Certainly not the first time I watched no, it. it. No, was no it wasn't. I made only, aware of it was only when I'd looked yeah. into the episode mm. after watching it that that was picked up on, and yeah. then when I watched it that second time, I was quite mindful of it because it it is obvious the end of the world is coming. Yeah, yeah. So. It, it sets it up quite Absolutely. nicely. It's a heck of a ticking clock to put in your episode—the yeah. <laughs> destruction of Earth. But while she speaks to her mum, mm-hmm. and then following that conversation, Rose struggles with the fact that her mum is dead five billion years into the future. Mm. I mean, nothing lasts forever. <laughs> it's sort of the theme of the episode. But yeah, five billion years is a long time, and you yeah. know from episode one we know her mum's not. A, a young duckling. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that is just kind of there to underscore um, the fact that she's just she's still trying to wrap her head around yeah. the whole concept yeah. of time travel and. Uh... And then following this, going back to the robot spiders from the articulated meme clearly the bad guys of this episode. Yeah, we see the death of the steward. Oh yeah. Okay. I never even get to know his name. I think it's Stuart. Stewart <laughs> the, the steward. No, Stuart T. Stewart. <laughs> um, and he dies in the most Blake Seven scene. Yeah, it's dumb. You know, it's just dumb. We, I'm sure we'll discuss it when we get to the end of the episode. Yeah. But the button to lower the solar filters and flood the space station with radiation mm. is clearly highlighted. Yeah. And just on his desk. Yeah, just one button. And there's no code to input. Yeah, you press that button. Yeah, it's the kill switch. If you actually put your coffee mug down yeah. in the wrong place, yeah. then you're just dooming yourself and everyone else aboard the ship. I, I mean, it's one of two key moments in this episode, which do kind of take me out of it because I just think, who the fuck designed this space station? Yeah. yeah. Like what? They they can absolute build... chump was was given <laughs> permission. To, to put in these kinds of they, features. They have the technology to create filters to block out sun's radiation yeah. and yeah. sustain life in Fantastic outer space. Fantastic technology. Yeah. Why make that optional? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's like we don't... We don't build cars where we can just at the push you of a button... like them explode. <laughs> exactly. You know, That's not a useful feature. Yeah yeah so following this yes. or concurrent to this whilst the steward is burnt to a crisp yeah the Doctor and Rose are back in the key the key room this sort of lobby area yeah back with the aliens Doctor Who is speaking to Jib and he says that he was on the Titanic it's, yeah so you know if we go back to last episode we see photos of him throughout history yes yeah so that sort of places him in time Mm -hmm. and at this point rose begins her discussion with lady cassandra yes and there's something i'd just like to take two minutes to talk about okay lady cassandra sort of explains to rose where humankind has gone between their two points Mm. in time Mm. and she says humankind has touched every star and bred with other species yeah. Okay. I, I I totally get that. Yeah. Now some of the people in this room are walking, talking human shit trees. Yes. Do we need to do the maths on this or? In 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 Russell T Davis's vision of the future, humans have fucked trees. Yeah. That is a thing that's happened. Right. I I mean I, I just wanted to put it out there because yeah. five billion years, long time, could be the evolutionary. You know, line of the trees leads to them. I'll okay. be honest; it's not the last time we're going to be having discussions like this in in over the course of Doctor Who as a program. It, it, basically, there is an underlying sense that when you get to the point that nations are starfaring and and different species are encountering one another, that there comes a point when everyone just starts fucking everyone else. Yeah, that's just that's just where we end up inevitably. Uh, as, as a culture. Um, so yeah. It, 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 for, for you as a new viewer, perhaps it raises some eyebrows. For me, I'm just like, yeah, Jane. It raises more you... some, than some eyebrows, let me tell you. <laughs> some, some nice looking trees in my garden. <laughs> okay. uh, but despite humans intermingling with other species, Lady Cassandra yeah. is the last pure human. So she says, yes. Well, we haven't really discussed Lady Cassandra. She's essentially we a haven't. sheet of skin, yeah, with eyes and a mouth. Yeah, she needs to be constantly moisturised mm-hmm. lest she die. Yeah, she's in some sort of frame that I assume has like the functions of her vital organs in yes. it. Yeah, uh, played by I think the first notable guest star in the history yeah, of Modern so Maker. Yeah, who maybe not. Not a, you know not an A-lister in terms of you know Hollywood or whatever, but certainly for British audiences a a a known yeah. quantity. and I, I think she yeah. does good work here. Yeah. I think Lady Cassandra is designed to be dislikable. Oh, absolutely. And she is immediately. Yeah. And there's almost like a background notion about you know, human vanity, I would say. The the very first thing she says is, look how thin I am. Yeah. And obviously she's like a sheet of paper. Yeah. There's definitely a a bit of sort of commentary and satire of of like plastic surgery. That sort of thing. And Rose is, well, in my notes I've written, she's immediately awful to Lady Cassandra. But perhaps not without good reason. Mm. Um, You know, beauty is clearly Lady Cassandra's sort of, Defining characteristic, yeah. and that goes against, as we've discussed, Rose's defining characteristic of yeah. sort of being open and you know pleasant yeah. to people. Yeah, now going back to Jabe the sexy tree, Doctor uh-huh. uh, Who, yeah, they're discussing his home, and clearly something's gone on there that's been alluded to, yeah, and. When I looked into that after this less uh, this when I'd looked into that after this episode, mm-hmm. um, I looked on the Tardis Wikia, which I I wish you would stop doing. Yeah, it's <laughs> clearly the most objective source of information, <laughs> and it says that the the Forester will witnessed the last great time war. So mm-hmm. that's been alluded to again. That yeah. seems to be. Yeah. The Time War is definitely a, a sort of looming presence. Yeah, in it's this a, a series. big plot hook that's yeah. been nodded to yeah. constantly. And as she leaves the room, the articulated meme strike Rose down. Yes. Now, a question I have is who invited them to this party? I mean, everyone, everyone has that one friend mm. who's clearly a bit of a knobhead. Yeah. And when you have a party. You know, they maybe stand in the corner and they'll mm-hmm. say something grossly inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but, but who would invite such a foul character from across the galaxy? <laughs> I mean, well, we we know the answer. By we we yeah, do yeah, get there, there. But, but, but certainly that's what's if I was in the looking at the head guest head. list yeah. here, I would. You know, I'd maybe give this party a miss if. <laughs> I, <you laughs> know. Oh, the repeat meme is Yeah. I think i oh, would no. Yeah. You're I'm right. Washing I'm, my hair. Yeah. I'll You know, I'll, I'll catch you at a later date. We'll, we'll go and grab, grab a coffee, but I'm not... Yeah. 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 And then, at this point, <laughs> the iPod the jukebox starts playing a bit of Britney Spears. Yes, yeah. I feel like we should mention at this point, um, what's going on here, for, as far as I can tell, is Russell T. Davis, he's got his prime time family viewing slot TV show it's his first opportunity to really inflict his taste in music on the general population of Great Britain, um, which, as someone who is very passionate about music I, and is also, you know, a, a writer of sorts, um, something that I fully understand. Um, and you should probably be grateful that it was Russell T Davis and not me writing this series, because if it was me, it probably would have been some horrific avant-garde jazz. Well, <laughs> It's funny because this this week, through my research for this show, yeah, a lot of Doctor Who videos have begun appearing in my YouTube suggested. Oh yes, yeah. There is uh, a f- there is a lot of Doctor Who on on YouTube, and I yeah. I, I, wa- I watched one this week actually mm-hmm. because it was David Tennant who mm-hmm. you know outside Doctor Who I, I think is fantastic anyway. Yeah. Receiving, I think it was a lifetime achievement award from the National Television Awards. It was right. something like that. Yeah. And I was sort of half paying attention, doing a couple of things yeah. whilst it was playing. And there was this character speaking about uh, David Tennant. And I thought, I don't really like this person. Uh huh. Ten seconds later, name flashes up Russell T Davis. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, the, 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 the um, lovely cuddly little Welshman that he is. He's yeah. a bit of an oddball. Yeah, I mean, he's a writer. Uh, I mean, everyone's a bit of an oddball, but I just thought, who's <laughs> this character? I challenge you to look up a video, uh, an interview of any writer of anything ever and not come away with the impression uh, that he's a bit of an oddball. I mean, you, you've you met me, you've known me for five years. I, I'm, I, I'm a strange man. Make a note that I will... I'm just going to go on YouTube, I'll type yeah. in Russell T Davies interview and yeah. I'll watch the top link. We'll go from there. Mm. Save, it for, save it for a while. Just, yeah. you know, there could well be some um, serious spoilers in, in such uh, interviews. So okay. uh, I would say, I mean, the Russell T Davies era does come to a close. It's not him who's been writing it for 10 Good. years at this point. So... Good. um We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Take the rough with the smooth. Yeah. So, well... Whilst this is going on, yes, Rose has been hit by the repeated meme. Mm-hmm. She's put into what seems to be some sort of holding cell yes. containment unit. Yeah, and she's about to suffer the same fate as the steward. The yeah. sun filters descend. Yes, they do very, very slowly and very, uh, you know, with the with the tanoi letting everyone know uh, that they're constantly. going up or down. Yeah, that that doesn't get great <laughs> <me> at all. <laughs> yeah. And going back to the fact whether Rose is clever or intelligent, mm-hmm. she just starts looking directly at the sun at yeah. close range. Yeah. So, yeah. She'll it's regret just, that when she's older. Yeah, no, that just didn't. I can't now think about that and not think of that uh, photograph of Donald Trump during the solar eclipse, just staring, staring at directly the at the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's. Good, good job, he's America. formally educated. So. <laughs> um, now. As a result of this, the doctor, you know, comes to the rescue, mm-hmm. and he summons the aliens to this large chamber. Yeah, um, and only one of them is not seen there. The repeated me, yeah, notable by their absence. Mm. No, nothing suspicious going on there. Okay, until <laughs> the doctor starts to solve the crime, put yeah. the puzzles pieces together, yeah, and. He implicates the repeated me yeah. in the shock of all shocks. Yeah. Good, good job, Doctor. Yeah. Even better job is when he performs his trademark fighting move of mm-hmm. ripping the arms <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, you know, that's two episodes. Two episodes. Two arms pulled yeah. off. Yeah. Okay. And I mean uh, I, I guess we we can talk about the fact because this is the second time talking about this episode sadly we don't see him ripping Charles Dickens' arm off in the third episode no, no. so that breaks the streak but yeah. you know but it's only once he's pulled their arms off that he reveals he knows they weren't the bad guy anyway so he's just yes. done that in cold blood uh, <laughs> I mean cold like, whatever cooling fluid yeah. whatever they are And he reveals Lady Cassandra to be... The the, true architect. Yeah, the mastermind. Yeah. Okay, now, this is where... The the, the second most obviously evil character in the episode. (laughs) It's where the water gets muddy here. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to allow you to explain Lady Cassandra's grand plan. Oh, God... Um... Because I've seen the episode twice. Yeah, I've seen it. And I've read the Wikipedia yeah. article and the IMDB page, um, and it still makes very little sense yeah, to me. I must have seen it at this point four, five, Maybe six times. Prob- probably not six times, but... Um, okay. okay. So Lady Cassandra wants to... murder everyone on this space station, and then teleport out of there, having, prior to this plan, bought shares in all of their companies, because everyone knows that when the founder or or, or an important higher person in a company dies, the shares in that company obviously increase because it's the same as as like fine arts when a painter yes. dies. It's it, it's the same thing with stocks, right? Um, yeah, uh, uh, Russell T. Davis has many great qualities as a writer. Economic literacy, I don't think, is one of them. See the, the, <laughs> the first time I watched this, and I was sort of half yeah. paying attention. Yeah, I could that, be wrong. That is it, right? It, it is. Yeah, it's, it's it's a hostage situation. Yeah. Um, and if she doesn't receive yeah. the ransom, then, then she's, then going, she's going, going to kill and, them. And but doesn't there is some stuff about having her having bought stocks, stocks and shares in all yeah. of the, It's you know, it's so convoluted. Why in sci-fi writing uh-huh. does? stocks and shares come into things so often. Uh, There's an interview I absolutely love with Peter Serafinovich, the the comedian who played the voice of Darth Maul. Yes. Darth Maul played by Ray Park, I believe. Fantastic and underrated uh, comedian uh, in Uh, in Britain. He's fantastic. Look around you, Peter Serafinovich. Show. If you've not seen them, please check them out. Well, he tells the story of when he got the part yeah, and he was—he's a big Star Wars fanboy. He's in Spaced, yeah, where Star Wars is like a reoccurring theme. Yeah, and he—he he talks about how excited he was, and obviously mm. in the film, Darth Maul has, I think, three or four lines total. Yeah. So the yeah. script that was revealed to Peter Serafinovich was very, very small. He's yeah. literally just recording dialogue, you know, things. You know, yes, very, yeah, very, very little. I think that was a common experience for most actors on the film, that basically they had no sense of the wider context of, yeah. of what they were doing. He, he then says the next part that was revealed to him was when he saw the trailer. Yes. And I don't know if you've ever seen the trailer for Star Wars Episode Oh, yeah, one, no, I remember it. But it is fantastic. It, it makes, is a brilliant trailer. It makes Star Wars Episode One look like Star Wars. Yeah. And then he was invited to the premiere. Yeah. He sits down. Titles Roll, long time ago, Galaxy Far Far Away, Star Wars, Episode One, Phantom Menace, and the crawl reads something like Trade in the Galactic Federation <laughs> has reached an all time low and it's just it's just uh, about, you know yeah. charges and, and you know, and mm. so why why do, is that I don't such know. A, I don't know. I mean, in the case of Star Wars, I think it's, it's very different to what's going on here. In the case of Star Wars, I think it's like... The, you know the concept of world-building in science yeah. fiction and fantasy. The idea of like creating a coherent universe and, obviously, economics are an important factor. It's the bedrock of a lot of societies and, 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 and how different societies interact with one another and so on and so forth. Um so there is a tendency for certain writers and creators who are building a world to spend a lot of time thinking about that stuff and how that underpins certain actions and how that will play into how the universe operates. The key mistake that they then make is that they think that that in itself is interesting enough to be part of the narrative. I'd say, I mean, I've, I, I, I I love Star Wars. I I can't stress that enough. I've, I love the films. Yeah, I've read comics. I've read the books. Yeah. I've I, I think the it's, video games. I've played the fine. role-playing games. It's it's okay, but never once in any of those fields of media mm. have I had to sit down and fill in my tax return. Or <laughs> you know, it, it's just not it's it's not the good bit of Star Wars. No, it's, <laughs> it's not the good bit of pretty much anything. Like unless you actually want to tell a sort of um, capitalist yeah, intrigue I'm, I'm story if you want to do Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street, Street but yeah. in space fine do that but this is not Star Wars is not the venue for that nor is Doctor <laughs> Who yeah uh. right we, we get we get sidelined with Star Wars there. yeah okay so probably not for the last time it's the first time we hear the Doctor referred to as a Time Lord by Jeb. yeah I'm sure that's irrelevant yeah, that's never going to come And that's again. because the Doctor and Jabe have separated from the group yeah. because Lady Cassandra has teleported away. Yes. All the solar filters are going to drop. Yeah. Everything on board is going to be incinerated. Yeah. So they're on their way to raise those shields. Now, the button okay. to drop the shield, we've established, is just on a desk. Yeah. Anyone can press that. The button to raise the shield is over a tiny gangway with perilous swinging blades of a fan... Mm-hmm. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not great, is it? It's not great design. No, again, um, whoever designed this space station really ought to be fired immediately. Uh, the thing is, this scene was written in a post Galaxy Quest world. Yes, we had seen this this kind this particular trope brilliantly lampooned in that yeah. film. And I I guarantee you Russell T Davis has seen Galaxy Quest, yeah, and yet he still thought. See, our, our minds went very different ways because <laughs> I remember a very similar scene from Disney's Hercules where he's training. Oh yeah, Phil. Yeah, and as the solar panels are dropping, yeah, Jabe gets incinerated.
1: Yeah. So whereas R-R-B-J. we didn't see
0: the, we didn't see the steward's death. We quite yeah. visibly see Jabe's. Yeah, hands just bursting into flame yeah. yeah and then it's an unpleasant end for a tree its I would say it's the worst possible way to go out as a tree but at least I feel chipper? like <laughs> that's quick at least yeah I don't think that you, you know that's very quick or being just chopped down yeah that would you know that that's equivalent I would say to you know guillotine or something like that but being burnt alive I mean it's a horrible way for anyone to go yes. if you were, especially if you're a tree right yeah, I'll have to ask them. Yeah. And as he reaches the final fan, yeah, because Jade's death was yeah. a sacrifice to slow the fans, Yeah, the Doctor gets to the final one, which is running at full speed. Mm-hmm. And I've put a Big Red Star in my notes next to this, because yeah. he pauses to maybe meditate ready his thoughts not uh, to go uh, back to star wars but it reminds me of obi-wan kenobi's meditating before he fights sure. darth Maul yeah and he's able to pass through yeah fun yeah so i'm unsure what is actually uh, okay. happening here so i think on a on a, a um, meta level what is happening here is that uh a combination of bad writing, bad direction, and bad CGI are all coming together right. to create a scene that is very hard to interpret. Right. So my, we've just got to go with it. Yeah, my read of it. I, I was is, at, the only yeah. thing worse would be if they did the classic oldie, timey saloon movie thing, where yeah. it just flashes up a text card that says. By the way, the doctor walked through the fan, and yeah. then it just cuts to him the other <laughs> It stuff. may as well have. Yeah. Um, yeah. My read of it is just that he is kind of not, maybe not like full on Jedi meditating, but he is kind of c- collecting his thoughts, attuning himself with the universe, maybe essentially seeing time, slowing down time mentally for himself yeah. so that he can see the moment that he needs to pass through. But as I say, poor, poor Christopher Eccleston, stuck with that scene. Stood on a green screen stage with by no means uh, one of the better directors that Doctor Who has had over yeah. its uh, over the years. Probably feeling a little bit lost at sea in that moment, doing the best he can. But he, he does pass through the fan. Yeah. He does pull the lever. Yeah. And the solar panels, the solar filters, sorry. Yeah. Come back up. Come up they go. And he's... Able to re-summon Lady Cassandra. Yes, because she has a teleportation link with yeah. the ostrich. Basically, yeah. It's, it, the idea is that a teleportation, which is one of the things which I think they said was banned, yes, um, on on the space station, um, it requ- which requires her to smuggle in this this link device, which is basically it's a. F- um, fair enough concept that if you want to teleport from one place to another you would need some kind of device at both ends ends, so um, but he she teleports away he quickly figures out ah it's in the ostrich edge smashes it and sonic screwdrivers it to reverse that process back she comes yeah and when she does she is summoned alone yes and up until this point she's always had two people constantly moisturizing her skin yeah and she begins to dry out. Yes. Okay. Now, Rose. Good Foley work in that yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Rose extends sort of her interpersonal skills to yeah. Lady Cassandra for the first time. Doesn't yes. want to see her die. Absolutely. For for someone that he, she has had no time for, really. For the loving yeah. you know, famously yeah. calling her bitchy trampoline at yeah. one point. Um. And, but yeah, she she is again this voice of um humanity. Uh, telling the, the doctor that he should you know be merciful yeah and yet... the, the doctor then says but everything has its time and everything dies yeah just as Lady Cassandra sort of cracks and, and explodes yeah there was a lot of her, considering yeah. there wasn't very much of her to start yeah, with. When she yeah. explodes, she gets everywhere. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, the CGI department, I think, really went to town on that, yeah. that moment. They were having a whale of a time. Well, well that's... but in one of I would say perhaps the goriest moments in the history of uh, New Who. I don't think they Certainly ever of what I've seen. I don't think they ever go that far again, well... and, and which makes it all the more jarring. But whilst we're talking CGI, yeah. this episode, one of its purposes, one of its points, was to exhibit what could be done with Doctor Who. Absolutely. I think yeah. the, st- the statistic I saw that w- was that this 45-minute episode had over 200... I think it's 216, I may be wrong on that, mm-hmm. incidences of CGI graphics. I can believe that. Now, yeah. the movie Gladiator... Award winning, Oscar award winning. Yeah. I think it's about three and a half hours long. Yeah. Had only a hundred. Though to be fair to Gladiator, there weren't any space stations in it. No. No. <laughs> and, by, and by no means am I saying this episode of Doctor Who is better than Gladiator. No. no. I, don't, I don't think many would make that argument to be fair. Uh, Probably not even anyone involved <laughs> in the making of I bet of it. Russell T Davis would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. and after she's died, yeah. and Rose sort of begins speaking to the doctor. Yeah. And the countdown that we alluded to earlier yes. had been going on in the background. Yeah. And Rose had missed the end of the world. Yeah. Could they not just go back in time five minutes in the TARDIS? You will. In future episodes, in this very series, I think we will address more of the mechanics and the limitations of um, time travel within the context of Doctor Who. Uh, certainly the rules that they set up in this series. So, um, yes, yeah. rather scattergun rather than laser accurate, is what. Um, well, we certainly know that the tide is not the most reliable um, yeah. of time machines. Um, but in addition to that, there are perhaps certain rules about going back on one's own timeline that uh, we will maybe get to in a future episode. And then following this is sort of the third and final point
1: that yeah. I enjoyed
0: this episode. Yeah. Is the reconciliation almost. Because yeah. it seems in this episode, the Doctor and Rose perhaps maybe grew apart slightly. Though, yeah, uh, I mean, Rose... W- I Despite think knowing felt... each other for what, yeah. 24 hours. Towards. Yeah, Rose certainly was put in the most danger that she's been in so far. Yeah, um, You know, thought she was about to be burned to a crisp on a space station billions of years in the future, which is a pretty traumatic thing to go through. Um, but the Doctor yeah. finally... Reveals the time war mm. and the destruction of his planet. Yeah, and it sort of goes against the point I've just given at the end of the episode. Yeah, but he could just go back in time and stop that. Yeah, I mean the thing about that though is um, it's then called we the, have no show, <laughs> and also it's called the time war. Yeah, who's to suggest that the the events of that aren't are, 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 take place in one linear? way that, that would be easy for someone to just pop back and fix it yeah the very fact that it was it was a war primarily fought between um, cause we you know who the, who the war was primarily between right time Lords and the dark yeah yeah I, I had a feeling you already looked that up so yeah yeah so you're talking about two time traveling um, ra- races there so if you've got two races who have the ability to travel through time Having a war, trying adding just more time travel into the mix who is who not going back to fix earliest. it. Yeah, um, and then my favorite thing to do yeah. is to watch the trailer for the next episode. Yeah, which you really need to stop doing. Yeah. Certainly when we get towards later series, <laughs> and I, I, I will I will check, and I, there will be a hard cut off point at which I will no longer allow you to do that. So, uh, at the end of last episode, I said yeah. that the trailer made. The coming episode look really stupid. Yeah. I think the trailer at the end of this episode actually makes the next episode look pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's set in 1816. There's zombies and ghosts and bit of Dickens. Do, do they show Dickens in the trailer? I think they give a nod to him. Yeah. But I'm I'm quite excited to see where this goes. Mm, yeah. I mean, I mean, we it, it's no know, spoiler to say um, we've recorded the episode. Yeah. You'll find uh, out what yeah. Matt thinks about it in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, But so far, so of of the two that you'd seen at this point, Um, which this this for me is head and shoulders above episode one, which which intrigues me because um, I think Rose is the stronger of the two, personally, um, for all its flaws. But both both episodes are flawed in different ways. One of the things, maybe, why I preferred this one was the episode Rose was a linear narrative, yeah, whereas. This one, despite having that same story structure, mm. had so many facets and aspects. Yeah, you were, you were following. There the was Doct- something for everyone. Yeah, you were following the Doctor and Rose on slightly different paths through it, yeah. and uh, and and I do think Rose was doing a lot of heavy lifting in terms of setup, and this one was an opportunity for Russell T Davies to actually meditate on a theme more, yeah. and so there is that very strong theme running all the way through it about finality things coming to an end yes. um, and how that is a sort of necessary fact of the universe and it's especially interesting to think about that in the context of doctor who a show that never ends about a character that can never end um what a lovely shall we just end things there that was a yeah, lovely okay. little sign off yeah why not okay <laughs> well thank you very much for listening everyone um, I hope you'll join us again for um, episode 3, which we will be discussing the Unbiade, finding out what Matt thinks about it. And, uh, yeah. Until then, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. Feel free to get in contact with us. Our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com. Alternatively, over Twitter, we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.